we're starting a series today on David, who is probably, I don't, next to Jesus, he's probably my favorite guy to read about in Scripture. David was a cool cat. Uh, he just had his own way of doing things, you know. Um, when you look at uh, David, he, uh, he gets a lot of coverage in Scripture. He really does. He gets a lot of coverage in Scripture. Um, like, so much so to, like, the, the next up under him and in, in being mentioned in Scripture is a guy named Abraham. Uh, so you got Jesus, who's mentioned the most. Then you've got David. And then you got a guy named uh, Abraham. Abraham's mentioned in about 14 chapters in the Bible. Then you've got a guy named Joseph who's mentioned a lot in the Bible. And he's mentioned uh, about in about 14 chapters of the Bible as well. You know, Abraham, 14 chapters. Joseph, 14 chapters. Uh, this guy named Elijah. Y'all know Elijah, the old school prophet who just went crazy for God. About 10 chapters devoted to him in the Bible. Get this. David has... 66 chapters of the Bible devoted to him throughout the Bible. 66 chapters. That's a lot of coverage. That's a lot of coverage. He's mentioned 59 times in the New Testament next to Jesus. Nobody, nobody gets more ink in the Bible than Jesus, but next to Jesus, David is the one. Now, if he's mentioned that much, don't you think that there's probably something that God's wanting us to pick up on when it comes to the life of David? There's probably some lessons that we can learn. There's probably some examples that we can live by. There's probably some things that we can see that we can apply to our lives and knowing what not to do. Because sometimes some of the best information that you can have and some of the best lessons that you can learn are from observing other people's lives and learning what not to do, who not to date, what job not to get, you know what I'm talking about, what to stay away from. Um, and so there's a lot of that that we can learn in the life of David. He's not a perfect guy. He's not a perfect guy. David made some mistakes. And I could, y'all could probably relate to that, right? David made some mistakes. He wasn't perfect. Uh, but David got a lot of stuff right, too. He got a lot of stuff right. And at the end of the day, he's known in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. David's the only person that gets that title. Nobody else in Scripture is called a man's after God's own heart but David. That's his. And so I think that's what makes David unique in light of you know, everyone else that you see in Scripture is that his heart was for God. And he might have made mistakes, and he might have blown it, and he might not have always got things right. He got a lot of things right, but he might not have always got things right. But his heart was for God. And when he messed up, he was quick to repent and quick to get right before God. It was David's heart that set him apart, and it's David's heart that caught the attention of God. And so we're going to be looking at his life over the next few weeks, and I want to look at just a few passages of Scripture at the beginning of um, David's life. And see what we can learn from that today. I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Um, when David hits the scene, um, a little bit before David hits the scene, uh, there's this guy named Samuel who's a prophet in Israel. You guys have heard of Samuel? Okay. Samuel was a prophet. And uh, back in that time, um, before 
Israel had a king. God would speak to the prophet, and the prophet would speak to the people, and the prophet was the leader of the people as he followed the voice of God. So God ruled over his people through the prophet, and that was his system. And it was a good system. Prophets, man, I'm telling you, they were, they were some powerful guys. Um, but as Samuel got older, the people of Israel started looking around at all the other kingdoms around them and noticed that they had these things called kings. And so they said, you know what? That looks really cool. Why do we have to be different? Why can't we be like the other people that have kings? Hey, Samuel, you're getting old. Things are about to change. Instead of another prophet to lead us, we want to have a king of our own to lead us. Samuel said, that's a bad idea. You don't want that. And they said, no, we want a king. And so Samuel went and, and went to the Lord and said, hey, these people are asking for the king. And, and, and God said, okay, 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 they're asking for it. You know, you get in trouble when you look around and you're willing to sell out who you are to be like somebody else. Don't ever do that. Don't ever sell out who you are to be like somebody else. God made you to be you. God gave you unique gifts. He gave you unique talents. He gave you everything that you need to do what he's called you to do. There is nobody else on this planet more qualified to do what God has called you to do than you. Don't sell out your gifts. Don't sell out who you are. Don't sell out that uniqueness that makes you beautiful. Don't sell all that out to be like somebody else. You be the salt, you be the light, you be the you that God called you to be to do what God called you to do, and don't sell out on any of that. And this is what Israel was doing. They were wanting to sell out so that they could have a king like everybody else. And so God said, okay, fine, you want a king? Here you go, I'm going to give you a king. And they got what they wanted. You know, sometimes one of the worst things that we can do is get what we want. Mm, let's just take a moment and reflect on that. Selah. So he, he gave them what they wanted, and he told them, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a king. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's going to be pretty bad for you. So he gave them a king, and his name was Saul. Everybody say Saul. Saul. They, he, he got a king. His name was Saul. Saul was a tall dude, which I'm kind of jealous of that. Um, he was a tall guy. The Bible says he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a handsome guy. Um, a lot of people think that he came from money and wealth. And so he was like the picture of what a king was supposed to be. He had the look. He had the swagger. He had the pedigree, you know. And God said, okay, there's your king. Go for it. And over time, what looked like a great candidate for a king began to show a lot of flaws in his character. Saul did a lot of stuff wrong. Saul was incredibly insecure. Saul was a guy who never really had a heart that was completely surrendered to God. And it was constantly causing problems for himself, and eventually it caused problems for the nation of Israel. And it, it became a big deal. If God said to do this, then Paul, or Saul would become impatient, and he, would, he wouldn't wait. He would do his own thing. It was causing issues and causing problems. And where Saul was not completely surrendered to God, and his heart was not completely surrendered to him. You see this contrast between Saul and David because David had a heart that was continually seeking after God. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 11, we're going to start reading this story. Um, Saul has messed up again. 
And Samuel the prophet is coming down at the command of the Lord. To, he's, he's calling him out. Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel to show up to, to make a sacrifice. And Saul got antsy. He started seeing people walking away. And he thought he needed to do something because Saul was always trying to save face and people because he valued people's opinions over the opinion of God. And so Samuel asked him, what have you done? And Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling in Michmash. Anybody ever been to Michmash? It's a great vacation spot out here. Um, I thought, I'm being silly. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. There's probably another great spot. And I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt, listen to this, I felt compelled to do uh, to offer the burnt offering. Saul said he had a better plan. Samuel says, you've done a foolish thing. You have not kept the, the command of the Lord your God. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out. We're going to come back to that in a second. He has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Because you have not kept the Lord's commands. Saul had a way of just partially obeying and then creating a mess on the backside of it because his heart wasn't surrendered to God. You know, we had <laughs> my, my daughter, uh, Abby, she's, she's awesome, I love her. She's three years old and she's a wild adventure. Like everything she does is this great adventure. You never know what's going to come out of her mouth. You never know what kind of just new mess you might walk into suddenly, you know, with her. Um, and so uh, the other day, Abby had grabbed a blue marker and thought it would be a great idea just to just draw all over herself. She had fun. She just wanted to be an artiste for a moment, you know. So she drew all over herself. I wasn't at home. Kelly was watching her. You know, if you blink for a second, a toddler can just cause mass destruction anywhere, anytime, any, like, boom. It's like nobody's looking. If I could be that productive doing something, man, I could get weeks worth of work done in like an hour if I could be as productive as a toddler is at destroying stuff. And uh, so... So she marks all over herself, and so, so Kelly's plan is, I'm going to throw her in the tub a little bit later, we're going to clean her up. So I come home, and, and Kelly, my wife, is working on some stuff, no Abby, I come in to the bedroom, and then I hear from the bathroom, Daddy, I'm cleaning up. There are just phrases you don't want to hear coming from a toddler's mouth in the bath, you know, like from a bathroom, you know. One is, like, I went poop all by myself. You don't want to hear that. That's usually not good, you know. Or, or, Daddy, I did anything from the bathroom without supervision is potentially bad. So I walk in, and my three-year-old is trying to clean herself up. And she's got this rag just soaked in, in hand soap, like a hand soap dispenser with about three-quarters full when I left that day, it was empty. When I walked into the bathroom, it emptied it. And she's like covered with soap and bubbles and blue stuff's just running down off of her and blue stuff's all over the counter and there are blue little fingerprints on 
towels and, and the walls, and there's blue little footprints all over the carpet and the tile in the bathroom. You know, it's blue everywhere. It looked like somebody had been sacrificing Smurfs to a pagan god in my house is what it looked like. I posted about it on Facebook. It was crazy, you know, but she was disobedient because she knows she's not supposed to play with these markers. And then she tried to handle the situation on her own. And it made it a whole lot worse, so I just did the drill. You pick them up, you take them over to the bathtub, sit them down, you turn on the water, and then you try to clean the mess up. The water in the tub instantly went blue. I think she probably still has some blue on her toenails right now. We're trying to get that clean, but she thought she would handle things on her own, and it created a worse situation, and that's what Saul had done. He tried to handle stuff on his own, and he had created a worse situation because he did not keep the Lord's commands. But in 1 Samuel 13, at the end of verse 14, it says that the Lord had sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people. See, David wasn't king then. God sought out someone who had the heart to become king. Someone who had a heart that belonged to him. And this is powerful to me because it tells me that David was committed to God before God anointed him king. David was committed to God before God anointed him king. David's heart was in the right place. Listen, guys, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart because you have to be before you can do in the kingdom of God. You've got to be in the presence of God before you can operate in the power of God. You have to be before you can do. And David had that. God searched and looked for a person who had the kind of heart, not the qualifications, not the look, not the pedigree, but the heart. And he found someone who had the heart that he could work with. And you see this come up all through David's writings, especially in the Psalms, just his heart. To, to, to please God in his heart, to serve God. In Psalm uh, chapter 25, in verse 5, you see David writing stuff like this. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. David wrote that stuff. See, Saul put his trust in the stuff that he could see, but David had his hope and his heart and his trust in God because his heart was in the right place. And you see this contrast between the two styles, and I want to show you this because the difference between Saul and David are night and day, and it's because of the condition of David's heart. Saul had a huge fear of man. David feared God. Saul was a worrier. David was a worshiper. You see it as it plays out in their life. Saul was always seeking after people's approval. It was a driving force in his life. David was always seeking after God's approval. Saul was a person that was incredibly insecure because his heart wasn't in the right place and he didn't have an anchor to hold him when the storms of life hit. But David was secure in God. Because of his heart. Now, when I was preparing for this and I was reading, I was like, you know what? This is a great list, but I wonder where my name would go on these two lists. Would it go 
over the one that Saul's over, or would it be over the one that David's over? And I wonder what that's like for you this morning. Like, if you were going to look at your life, would you say that you tend to have a fear of man and what they'll do to you, or do you have a fear and a respect for God? Is that a motivator in your life? Are you constantly worrying about what's happening in your life and the struggles and the things that you're having to deal with? Or do you run to God and worship and get in his presence and allow him to bring peace and guidance and lead you by speaking to your spirit? You know, do you, do you look for people's approval? Is it a driving force in your life? Are you constantly selling out so that people will like you? Or are you like David and you're seeking God's approval? Are you a person that's incredibly insecure and unstable without any anchor to hold you in place? Or are you secure in your walk with God? Because it's an issue of the heart. When the heart is right, then it bears the fruit that it's supposed to bear. But when a heart is out of, is out of whack, then it bears dysfunctional fruit in your life. And you see the difference between these two guys. Saul and David were, were polar opposites. And so Samuel says, God said, Saul, you're gone. I've got a new guy that's coming in. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, some time has passed. And the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So Samuel was kind of kind of mourning a little bit for Saul because he, he just got booted out and told that he's not going to be king anymore. But God said, listen, why are you mourning over the stuff that's, that's is gone? This is the past. The past is the past. I've got a future in front of this nation. You need to get with a program and don't worry about mourning over the past. Focus on the future. I'm moving forward. You know, you, you can't step into your future if you're tied to your past. You can't step into your future if you're tied to your past. So many times, I think we let the past hinder and encumber us and weigh us down. When God wants to say, that's done, it's time has come and gone, I'm setting something new before you, it's time to move into it. Let go of the past and embrace my call for the future. A lot of times we hold on to that stuff. You, know? you ever seen somebody who's just obviously hung up in issues and struggles from the past? Pastor Brad, can you help me for a second? You're looking good today, by the way. Sharp-dressed man. He's going to a wedding after. Don't let him fool you. He's dressing like this. He looks good. Pastor Jeremy, can you help me out? Now, you look good. You always look good. So, Brad is getting ready to move into the future that God's called him into. Jeremy is going to represent his past. Okay? Now, yeah, small past, small details, you know. Um, I'm having fun. I, I don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to that. Um, yeah, two short ones. It's Okay. So, what they used to do way back in the day, everybody say way back in the day. So, what they used to do way back in the day was this, and this is completely unrelated, but it's going to make a great point. If you murdered somebody, 
what they would do in some cultures is they would tie the dead body of the person that you killed to you so that you would have to carry the carcass. Oh, these guys are so good, they know where I'm going. So you would have to carry the carcass of the person that you murdered around with you as your punishment. That was perfect. You guys are just spot on. I just see, do, it, do that as long as you can. Pastor Brad's got some massive legs, man. He, he can handle this. So, so you would carry around the carcass of the person that you, that you murdered until there was no carcass left. So while it decayed and it rotted, you had to carry it around. And after a while, the disease and just, can you imagine the stink that was involved with this dead body would begin to transfer over to the person that was carrying it? Gangrene would set in, and the rot that was on the corpse would transfer over and become the rot on the body of the person that was carrying it. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, too long before this person would become incredibly sick. Are you good? Yeah, incredibly sick and incredibly weak. And a lot of times, the person who was carrying the dead body would die because... Yeah, <laughs> you started to tip and fall. It would die because of all the disease and all of the junk that was attached to them. The gangrene, I'm telling you, man, it was, it was bad stuff. But you see what I'm saying? When we walk around attached to our past, when we hold on to hurts and disappointments and pain, when we carry that stuff around with us, it does the exact same thing. And we think we've got it under control, but what's happening is slowly but surely it's rotting and infecting us and tearing us down. We have got to come to the place where we let the past stay in the past and we move on in our walk with God into the future that he's called us to. Don't make this mistake. Don't hold on to the issues. Don't hold on to your past, okay? Now, I don't know who this is for, but when I was praying and preparing for this, I really felt like this was for a lot of people here this morning. You guys can have a seat. Give them a hand for for being a great illustration this morning. We have got to let the past stay in the past. We can't mourn over that stuff anymore. Listen, let me encourage you. Let God heal. Let God restore. Let God pour in the oil and the wine and do his work in your heart to restore you, to make you new and complete. Let those things go. Become, just let the Bible do its work and let you become the new creation and let the old be gone and the new come because of your relationship with Jesus because we serve a God of new beginnings. We serve a God of new things and we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can hope or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Don't let your past rob you from the future that God has for you. Step out of that today. Step out of it today. So, so he says, hey, no mourning anymore. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And so he does. In 1 Samuel uh, 16, verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. That's always good ground to land on right there. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. <laughs> they asked, do you come in peace? You know why? Because the prophets of God back in the day were some bad dudes. 
you did not want. If they showed up to your town, it was either going to be really good or really bad. And there was no in-between. Like they were going to pronounce a blessing or it was all about to just, just go, you know. And so they were wondering, okay, why, why are you here? What's going on? Do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse, who's David's dad, and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I got good news for you today. If your hair is jacked up, God's still looking at your heart. If your makeup's not just right, God's still looking at your heart. If you feel inadequate, you know what? God's looking at your heart. Your heart is the qualifier. Your heart is the qualifier. I want to say it again. Your heart is the qualifier. God's measuring stick is the heart. God's measuring stick is the heart. It's this right here. Are you submitted to God here? Because if you have it here, then he can do it there. If you're submitted here, then he can work through you to do what he wants to do in and through your life. It's all about the heart. God's measuring stick is the heart. And that's what drew him to David. Because David's heart was ready to serve God. It's about the heart. A lot of times we look at the gifts and the talents that we have. And we look at what we would call qualifications to be able to do something great in the kingdom of God. And God doesn't look at any of that at all. He looks at you and what you've got. If you would just give him your heart and surrender yourself to him and say, God, whatever I got is yours. Whatever you want to do, I'll do it. I'll surrender myself. I step out of my past. I don't let anything hinder. I am here to do what you want me to do. If you can get that, there is no limit to what God can do in and through your life when he has your heart. So many times we look at those things. You know, you know, all the people that God used in a powerful way in Scripture were grossly unqualified to be used that way. They didn't have the qualifications, but God used them because they were willing to be used. And you look at Moses. Moses didn't think he had much. Moses didn't think he had a lot going on when God called him. In fact, Moses threw a whole lot of excuses on why he couldn't do it. I don't have this. I'm not this. I'm not a good talker. I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not that. And God asked him a question. He said, what's in your hand? And that staff. And I'm paraphrasing here, but God said, if you will just let me use what you got, then I'll use you to deliver my people. And a staff and some reluctant obedience that eventually became obedience was the key. That staff... See, you don't think about it, because we read it, and we think Moses was this awesome guy. Moses was just a guy who let God use him. 
that simple staff, that, uh, that all that he had going for him was that staff. And God took that staff, that took that staff, and worked all the plagues to strike Egypt, to get them to let the children of Israel go. That staff was there when the people of Israel walked out of Egypt, free people. That staff was there with Moses as he led the children of Israel out under a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night to protect them along the way. That staff was there to bring water out of a rock to provide for the people of Israel. That staff was there when the Red Sea was split. That staff was there as God was faithful in battle time and time again. Don't you ever think you don't have enough to be used by God if you'll just just give Him what you've got and surrender it over to Him. He'll take the little that you have and do much with it. You are qualified because God qualifies the people that are willing to go in obedience to Him. Every time. And this is what the separating factor was with David. He just had the heart to serve God. And because his heart was surrendered to God, he was able to serve and be faithful in a very mundane time in his life. David was faithful. He was faithful in the field. He was out there watching over a few sheep that his dad had. He's the one that got tasked with it. He was faithful. He was faithful and with the familiar. I remember one time <laughs> I, was, I got invited to go to a, to a conference to speak. One of my friends' church was having a, a big 10-year anniversary, and so they did it, turned it into this big conference and had a bunch of other churches and people show up to it and made it a big thing and they invited some really cool speakers to come in and then he asked me if I wanted to go I was like I don't belong on that list dude uh, but I'll go so I went to this conference several years ago and and they said this is what we want you to do we want you to do a general session and then we want you to spend the morning teaching and training some staff and leaders and I thought okay that's awesome let's do that so I got out there and these people treated Kelly and me like royalty they flew us out there, gave us a nice rental car to drive around while we were there. They put us up in a nice hotel. They covered all of our meals, all of our expenses. They were constantly asking us, can we get you anything else? Can we get you anything else? You know, do you, do you need this? Do you need that? We didn't, we didn't have to lift a finger. They were just waiting on us hand and foot. They spent, they, they paid us well for being there, and they spent... The budget for us alone while we were there for the four days that we were there was $7,000. They threw money at us and took care of us and took us to the nicest restaurants. And they just threw everything in. When I got up to speak, God was moving and everybody was shouting amen. And, and it was really awesome because they, just every word that came out of my mouth, these people were hanging on. And when I was teaching the staff and teaching the leaders, they were taking notes and, yes, and asking questions. And I had all the answers. And it was just awesome. It was a great time. And then I came back home. And first service back here, after having that great experience, first service back here, the service was over. I was the associate pastor here at the time. And I remember service was over, and I was walking back to that door right there, and somebody came out and said, 
hey, Pastor Josh, just want to let you know the toilet's clogged in the man's bathroom. You might want to take care of that and just kept on going. <laughs> what? And these thoughts came going through my mind. I'm like, the toilet's clogged. First thing I thought was, well, who did it? You know? <laughs> You're telling me about it. You're prom suspect, you know? Um, who, who did it? And then one is, why are you telling me and why didn't you do it? You know, and they probably had somewhere to go and probably couldn't have. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But, but I was kind of getting indignant. I'm like, what are you talking about cleaning the toilet? What? Why would I? And then God spoke to me. And he said, everything that you just did at that conference is worthless. If you don't have the heart of a servant and a heart that's willing to do the menial. I gave you a taste of success. And now I want you to operate in the familiar. And when you can learn to operate in the familiar. And be faithful in that field with something that can become incredibly routine. And keep the right heart. Now you're getting somewhere. Now you're getting to a place that God can use you. David was faithful while forgotten. See, Samuel was in town. He went, consecrated Jesse, the brothers, and they were having this ceremony. And the brothers were walking in front of Samuel. And Samuel's trying to pick the king. And they didn't even think about having David there. All that was going on. And David was forgotten out in the field. 1 Samuel 16, starting at verse 11. All these brothers have been walking in front of him, and, and God's speaking to, to Samuel and saying, Nope, not him, not him, not him. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? And Jesse's like, Yeah, they're still the youngest. He's out there tending the sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Because David's heart was right. He was able to be faithful in the field. He was able to be faithful with the familiar. He was able to be faithful when forgotten. David's out in a field watching sheep. While they're having the ceremony that's supposed to choose him to be the king. Are you getting this? And so he's out there, and I know it doesn't say this in scripture, but in my mind's eye at least. And I just picture him out there in that field. Playing his harp. Writing his psalms having his relationship with God, being faithful, watching over the flock. My hope is in you. I trust in the Lord my God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. All these beautiful phrases that came from a heart, a person that was faithful to God in the obscure. He's out there and in the distance, you hear somebody, David, David. 
And he turns around, and somebody comes running up to him. David, 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 you got to come with me right now. you got to come with me right now. What's going on? I don't even know what's going on. All I know is Samuel just showed up. Samuel, yeah, Samuel's out there. And he's with your dad, and he's with your brothers, and, and he's gone through this consecration ceremony, and, and all your brothers have been walking in front of him, and he's saying, nope, that's not the one, that's not the one. And all I know is that Samuel has just stopped everything, and he's asked me to come out here and to get you. For some reason, he wants you to show up. All, your dad and all your brothers and, and Samuel, they're all waiting for you. Right now, you got to come. So David goes... And this boy steps out of the field, a shepherd, with no qualifications, no pedigree, no money, nothing to qualify him except his heart. And he walks to the place where they were doing this ceremony, and he sees all of the people there standing in attention, waiting for him to show up. His father and his brothers that forgot him are standing there waiting for him to show up. And the prophet of God is standing at attention waiting for him to show up fresh out of the field. And Samuel says, you're the one. You're the one. You're God's chosen. You are the next king of Israel. Because his heart qualified him let me encourage you listen if you're in a season where you feel forgotten if you're in a season where you feel like you're going through a mundane routine and it's not going anywhere if you feel like you're stuck out in a field just doing one thing after another and you don't see it accomplishing anything let me tell you that while you're faithful in obscurity God is working to prepare the ceremony that's going to make you the king God is moving and putting things in place to set you up to move into what he's called you to do. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Never give up. Stay faithful to God. And if you'll keep your heart surrendered to him and the few and the little and the things that don't look important, when the time comes, he will set you apart and turn you loose to be the person that he's called you to be. He'll do it every time. Every time. This is one of the most beautiful stories to me because if you've ever gone through a season where you felt like you were just wasting your time, that a calling or, or a goal or something that you were believing God for seems so far away, then you've got to appreciate this because God can move in an instant and open the doors that are needed to open for us to walk into what he's called us to. Because of his heart. It's because of his heart. Acts chapter 13, verse 22, talking about this specific incident and referencing David, they said, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him I have found David, son of Jesse, a man. After my own heart. Listen to this sentence. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. Man, I want God to be able to look down and look at me and say, That's a man after my own heart. I know he will do everything that I ask him to do. 
And if God was searching for a heart that could be used today, would he be able to find that heart in you? You know, I hope and pray that he could find that heart in me. I know there have been seasons in my life and times in my life where, being honest, probably he, he wouldn't have seen that in me because I've gone through times in my life where I, I've had to, to process through incredibly painful seasons and difficult stuff and frustration. And I found myself tied to the past and having to, to, to get free from it and working through my own personal issues and coming to the place where I was just standing on the solid ground where I knew who my God was, who I was to Him, developing that trust that's needed to have that strong relationship with Him. But could you say that about you today? Could He say it about you today? Could you put your name in that passage of Scripture? That I have found whatever your name is. Jeremy Brown. I found Deb Stripling. That I have found Thomas Rascal. I have found David Sturgill. I have found Melba Royer. A person after my own heart. That I know will do anything that I ask them to do. Could you say that about yourself today? Or would there be things tying you down and weighing you down? Would there be sin and compromise in your life that, that would keep that from being a reality in your life? The hurts and the disappointments and the letdowns and the betrayals of the past, are they still holding on to you? Because this is what I've always found, always found out eventually is that it's not really holding on to me. It's that I'm holding on to it. And I've got to come to the place where I can release it and trust God. Maybe you've gone through seasons where you've experienced terrible loss and devastation. I want to encourage you today to let the past be the past. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you can wipe it clean and pretend like it never happened and that this, this, the, the, the issues and the circumstances never existed because you can't do that. You can't do that. And it could be that you're going to walk around with a scar from whatever that incident was that hurt you. But a scar is evidence of a wound that is healed. And it's important to let God heal the wounds so that we can release those things and move into the future that he's called us to. To be the person that he's called us to be. To make sure that our heart is in a place to be used by him. Is that you today? Bow your heads and close your eyes.